Yeah, I mean, dude, people are going to listen to it. Uh, obviously, they're going to listen to it. I mean, it's us, and well, it's the Chiefs. Yeah, and we just won the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl. You kidding me? You kidding me? The Super Bowl, bro? Yeah, this will be a slam dunk. I mean, we can go over the season. We can go over all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, we can uh, do something that celebrates the Chiefs, celebrates Always Sunny, maybe celebrates us. I'm into that. I know you are, bro. <laughs> well, let's kick it. This is Austin. I'm here with my man Taylor. You may know us as uh, at Real Bird Lawyer and at Taylor Witt, Sweet Handle Bro. Yeah, my alias. <laughs> yeah, your alias. Uh, we decided to start a Chiefs podcast, so so here's our Chiefs podcast. Yeah, I mean we're we're not going to spend this off season quiet. You know, our boys just got the job done. We won. They, the Super Bowl. Uh, they won the yeah. Super Bowl, and Austin, we uh, we can't not talk about the Chiefs every day. So let's just go ahead and uh, talk about some football. Football. Oh, football. Run out and cut in. Run out and cut in. Cut in. But should I pop my shirt off? Should I pop my shirt off? Definitely should have popped that shirt off. Yeah, we're okay. basically going to be making nonstop Always Sunny in Philadelphia references. For those of you that haven't seen the show, you should probably fire on down to Hulu. Go take care of that. It's, uh, you know, it's the best show on TV. It is, and the Chiefs are the best football team in the NFL. So we just yes, thought are. maybe combine those two ideas, you know, baby in the house situation. House, house, house. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what this is going to be like for, uh, you know, 90 or so minutes until it just sort of ends. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Chiefs and Sunny, Sunny and Chiefs, Chiefs full Sunny. You, you're really going to get a kick out of it. Uh, we're also going to break down one week from every week of last season, kind of start back in time. We're going to walk through it. We're going to talk about where our minds were at what was going on with the Chiefs at that time, kind of really transport us back because this season was so memorable that we we just have to relive it from moment to moment. It's going to be like the franchise, but instead of an award-winning YouTube production, <laughs> it's going to be a podcast where you listen to us talk about, you know, and we're going to go all the way back. We're going to go all the way back to training camp. We'll talk about, oh my God, Jacksonville. Sure. Is that, is that where it all started? Jacksonville, the Jaguars? It seems like forever ago, but it was it really was ago. only what eight short months ago. No, like six short months ago. That math is hard, bro. Don't it do, is. Don't do live math on air. <laughs> that's, that's a rookie For mistake. Sure. Yep, never again. But yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to think that we were going into that. You know, we'll we'll go into it. But right now, I'm thinking about training camp, and I'm thinking about all the turmoil that was going on. We had just overhauled the defense completely. You know, yeah. day one, we went in there and we dropped off all of our pass rush from this from the year before. And we completely rebuilt, starting with Spags. And it's just it's wild to think that how little we actually knew about how this defense would perform. 
It is. And, you know, it's also wild to think when the Chiefs were getting ready to show up to training camp, we didn't know if Chris Jones was going to be there. Right. And we'll get into that, obviously, when we talk about the offseason, whenever we decide to get into that. And, you know, obviously there's going to be some question about whether Chris Jones is going to be a Chief next year. But there was a question about whether Chris Jones was going to be a Chief last year uh, when we were showing up to camp. And, you know, does he fit into the system? Are we going to franchise tag him? And I mean, obviously he, he didn't really have to report and he came in and, you know, Super Bowl. So showed his love for the team too. He clearly (laughs) has been such a team first guy throughout that whole process that I'm hoping we see the same thing this time around, but hard to say. It is hard to say. And obviously we'll get into that, you know, as we kind of get into free agency in the draft, but you know what, we don't have to talk about that yet. Because we just won the Super Bowl. So we just won the Super Bowl. We How cool is well, that to say? It's pretty cool to say. I'm going to keep saying it, you know, over and over. I'm going to be using it a lot, I right. guess is what Are I'm Are you saying. waking up in the morning saying we won the Super Bowl? Because I know I am. I I am. I am. And I, as you know, I have a pretty lengthy commute. So I have a lot of time <laughs> to digest podcasts and also watch Wasp. I've watched Wasp a lot if you guys don't know what we're talking about get out from under your rock yeah i mean if you don't know two three jet ship wasp like i I don't i'm not sure what you're doing listening to the podcast but you know i don't judge yeah and if you're listening to the podcast you probably follow one or both of us on twitter and i've tweeted about this a lot but there's that great nfl films uh little 10 minute short it's called Turning Point, and it's incredible. I can almost quote it line for line. I'm not going to do that. Just go watch it, press pause, whatever. Um, can we talk for a second about the amazing coverage that the Super Bowl gets compared to every other game? I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah, we, knew, we, we knew a little bit about that, but we didn't really ever care about it. And now that we care about it and we can go watch all these mic'd ups and all this coverage, it, it's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, listen, so there's probably like, if we were to fire on down to YouTube right now, there's probably a video of some dumb play from the Patriots win in Super Bowl 53. It's probably Tom Brady throwing a duck to Rob Gronkowski. You know, he had like one catch in that game. And there's probably a 10 minute video breaking down that play. But who cares? Like, who who cares about that? But The Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and so now we get to experience that, and instead of it being boring and bullshit, it's amazing. It's dope football. It's awesome, Pat, and awesome. Everything that we're about is so much cooler than everything everyone else is about. It's it's the best. We're going to need to load up Madden just so that we can run Wasp, and I have not played Madden since, as you know, like... (laughs) the week before actual football started, right. you know, it, was, it got us through like a rough little two week period there kind of ended the preseason before the Jacksonville game. I mean, literally, I think I played Madden for like two weeks. We were dying for football. We dying. were dying. We were dying. Um, and then we got football and it was amazing. And now we have to wait for football again, but at least we can just soak in, the vibes we can bask and it's the shortest off season wait in our lives. No, I mean, it's incredible, which is great. You know, that extra two weeks tacked onto the end there is, uh, Mm. you know, it doesn't feel like much, but it is, it means everything. Mm -hmm. Were we talking about training camp? Do we want to like circle back to that? Yeah, we can. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about Chris Jones and and how, 
he definitely was not a guarantee to start week one. It was and, wild. Yeah, it was wild. But what was even wilder than that was the whole Tyreek Hill saga. Uh, and I know, yeah, that, that whole debacle. So I know, um, obviously, this is our first episode. So a, a lot of you probably found us from Twitter. And um, I know that that was really good for my follower count. You basically um, created yourself from the Tyree Kill saga. So as much as it true. sucked, you have you have elevated to stardom based on his misfortunes. Tyree Kill made me, I would say, and I'm not trying to brag, but I'd say the second most famous Chiefs legal themed Twitter <laughs> account after Seth Kaiser. Sure. I, I'd say it goes Seth, and then there's a big gap, and then me. And then, <laughs> and then there's an even bigger gap, and then there's no one after that bigger gap. Well, you know, I you shout out to my to my law friends that are also part of the Chiefs Kingdom. You know, they're 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 around, but yeah. yeah. So, so Tyreek, um, that was that was crazy, and people are still talking about that, which is honestly, Taylor, a little bit frustrating. They'll never stop talking about it, Austin. They'll never stop talking about it. I was uh, interacting with uh, Dave Brown the other day on Twitter. Ugh. I know. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Dave, he is a uh, professional lawyer, troll. Uh, he is a professional troll, except he's, I don't know. When I think of trolling, by the way, like my philosophy on trolling is, and you're going to get a taste of this later, we're going to do a roast segment for you, uh, which will be terrific. But my philosophy on trolling is that I, I at least want to have some facts to back up my trolling, right? Like, yeah. The laziest troll ever is that fucking Tom Brady gif of him waving yeah, the, rings the rings around. Yeah, can't stand it. Okay. Yeah, you, you didn't have to put any thought into that troll. You just fired a gif off, whatever. Now, I will say on the flip side, responding to people <laughs> trolling me with the gif of Pat kissing the Lombardi. Yes. That's pretty satisfying. Uh, I also, speaking of responding to Patriots fans with kissing gifts, I also really enjoy Tom Brady <laughs> kissing his son. That's a really good one. Tom Brady I mean, kissing classic. Robert Kraft on the on the lips. Basically, Tom Brady kissing anyone but his wife on the lips will work every time. I don't think I've ever seen Tom Brady kiss his wife. He might not. That's a good point. We don't That's know. Fair. We're not gonna well, we're yeah. not gonna spread any rumors here, but we haven't ever seen it. We haven't. Um, so Tyreek Hill, um, obviously there was a, a long period of time where it, certainly the national media felt like Tyreek Hill was not, maybe wasn't even going to be on the team. We weathered that storm. I mean, we're I mean maybe going, never play again. Well, yeah, like going the, back the, in time to draft. The risk night. was as, as big as it gets. It was, you know, the moment the audio tape came out, everyone was saying, oh, they're going to cut him. We had just gone through the Kareem stuff. Um, it was, it was Tyreek Hill will never play in this league again. It was his second offense after the 2014 incident. I mean, it was, it was as bad as it could possibly be. Here's what I want to say about the Tyreek Hill thing, because obviously it all, it all worked out for the best. He got a contract. said a lot about it already. Yep. I have said a lot about it. Go check out my pinned tweet. That's been my pinned tweet for like nine months. You know, that's my whole, my whole live tweet of the preliminary hearing. Here's what I want to say about Tyreek. Tyreek's son was with Tyreek at the Super Bowl. He was in the locker room. He was having an amazing time, time of his life, once in a lifetime experience for a little kid. I'm telling you, none of that would happen. Be possible. Would be possible if some of the things that people still believe mm -hmm. to this day mm -hmm. were actually true. If, if any of that stuff had any merit to it at all, that simply would not have happened. It wouldn't have happened. So I'm not sure where it came from, but I have heard multiple people comment that he was granted full custody. 
I mean, that would make sense, right? He's the one taking his kid to Miami to watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. And we haven't heard from Crystal. So anyway, Tyreek Hill, um, you know, we can we can get into that maybe some more. But um, for now, you know, he's um, the best wide receiver in the league. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's certainly in the conversation. If it's not him, he is right there neck and neck with you know, Hopkins and whoever else you want to name at the top of the list, but he's I mean, who, incredible. Michael Thomas, probably. Michael do, Thomas. Well, yeah. Okay. That's fair. I was going to say, who do you want to name? But I guess it starts and ends with Michael Thomas. I, I mean, Michael then, Thomas, at least as far as he's incredible. He's incredible. He is incredible. He is incredible. What do but, you think of this Taysom Hill thing? Well, you know, Just brief, brief little. They, Sean Payton said that he was Steve Young. Mm -hmm. And that always kind of struck me as like, whoa, if he's Steve Young, like, what's he doing on the bench? Right. And then, you know, there was the, the, uh, I think it was a tweet yesterday that said that Mohamed Sanu has completed more career passes than Taysom Hill. And and it's just, it kind of feels like if he was Steve Young, we would have seen it by now. I don't know. He's been on the field so much and he's so good at so many things, but I'm not quite sure quarterback's one of them. He's an interesting piece, though, and maybe we'll have some time during the long offseason to unpack yeah. kind of some uh, some deeper philosophical thoughts about football. But I'm just really into the idea of Taysom Hill, and I'm just Same. glad that I'm just glad that he exists. Right? I would really love to have a Taysom Hill on the Chiefs. Although, if we ever took Pat Mahomes off the field, like you know, why? But, yeah. yeah. Well, and maybe yeah. the Saints are going through a similar thing with Drew Brees. Sure. Maybe if they had, you know. Derek Carr out there instead of Drew Brees, maybe Taysom Hill <laughs> would be the starter. Like maybe it's just the fact that they have one of the all-time greats and they can't justify giving Taysom Hill too many passing opportunities. However, when he's had them, he just seems like he's playing quarterback, but he's not a quarterback. No, he's like, a, yeah, I don't know what he is. I, I guess like Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson could pass. He's certainly versatile, and he would certainly be a guy that I would die to be able to have on my football team. I just don't know if I'd want him throwing passes. No, I mean, probably not. But But blocking punts and catching passes and running around and tackling guys. I mean, he's their best special teams player by a mile. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Taysom Hill, sure. Well, we got a little bit off on a tangent yeah, there, well, but that's know. fine. We'll go on tangents. Um, we talked about, well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's how you get the best stuff, right? That's that's where it comes from. So we talked about Chris Jones. We talked about Tyreek Hill. Now, we we did not go to training camp this year, right? Not this year. We went. We went. We knew 20, what was coming did. with Pat. And you and I were, I, I don't want to say we were the earliest adopters of, of Pat Mahomes as the next great savior of mankind, but like we were sure close. We were pretty close. I mean, we went to the basketball game, the charity basketball game in in May of 2018. Correct. We with had our, our Pat jerseys With on. our Pat jerseys, and we must have been, you know, two of the first whatever. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, we were walking around with Pat jerseys before anyone knew he was any good at all, other than the people that had watched him play football, and they knew he was for sure really good. Remember when people were making fun of Brett Veach for saying that Pat Mahomes was the best player you'd ever yes. seen? He okay. said it in reference to before he had ever started a game. Yes. He was like, back when I saw him, when I seen him throw that ball, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was Brett Veach. And also Adrian Peterson and also everyone that has ever laid eyes on Pat Mahomes. He's incredible. And we could just do an hour every week for the rest of our lives 
gushing over how amazing Pat is, and you and I would literally never get tired of it. I mean, we did that for yeah. <laughs> every day, months every and day. months leading up to the first season, and yes. then each month after that, you know, and now he's won a Super Bowl. So it's been a dream come true. It really is. And I know that there are some people that could never have envisioned the Chiefs having a star quarterback ever in their in our whole lives. And then they just go out, and the first time they really reach for one, boy, does it work out. You know, one of the other things that we were going to talk about with the training camp storylines, which really has come full circle now that we've won the Super Bowl, is the the way the season before ended. Yes, and the AFC Championship game. Plenty of people have talked about this. Um, Rainey Gisilieri wrote a great article about this on The Ringer. Um, but just the parallels between the 2014-2015 Royals and then the 2018-2019 Chiefs are really – spooky. It is actually – it is eerie to think about. Um, but you kind of had that sense. You know what's weird about it, though, is um, – and we've talked about this before off the air um, because we talk about football and Chiefs football constantly, literally, literally all the time. But, you know, this season – really right up until the very end. I mean, even into the playoffs, it never really had that same sense of inevitability that the 2015 Royals had. Good point. I mean, really from, from when Pat tweaked his ankle in week one, we'll talk about the Jacksonville game probably next week, and mm-hmm. go through each game of the season, you know, and Tyreek got hurt in that game too. And there never really was the the unstoppable juggernaut that we that we knew the 2015 Royals were and would be and ended up being the whole year. The Chiefs never really got there until they went down 24 to nothing against Houston, and then kind of from that point on, you know, obviously they they had to rally in each of the playoff games and you know overcome double digit deficits. But once they got rolling. Yeah, the stories are pretty similar when you compare the playoff runs. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Both playoff runs are almost identical. Uh, the regular season, now the 15 Royals did have the Alex Gordon injury when we had to go out and get Zobrist. And that was kind of, you know, that obviously Alex Gordon is not Pat, but it was the only time that that team really faced adversity all year. They were far and away the best team in baseball for most of the run that year. And the Chiefs were never far and away. The Ravens were always the team that the Chiefs and the Patriots to an extent until we, you know, exercise that demon. But right. the, the Ravens were always the team and the, the Royals were really the team in 15 in the regular season. But you're absolutely right that once those playoffs started in both times, you know, a heartbreaking loss the year before when you're inches from the place that you've never been or at least hadn't been in 30 or 50 years. And then the next season when the playoffs start, you're down. You've got all this adversity in the playoffs. You overcome it time and time and time again. We're not just talking about one big comeback for each team. No. We're talking about historically two of the greatest postseason runs in sports history as far as comebacks go. And they happen yeah. in the same city within five years of each other. It's amazing. It's amazing. And both to to break an extended drought. I mean, they it, it just couldn't have been more in, amazing to be a Kansas City sports fan in this last five years. It's been uh, unbelievable, 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 as, as Salvi would shout say. Out. Yep. Uh, yeah, right. Shout out to our baseball past. Yes. Um, but what's amazing about it is that, I mean, what's going to be really interesting to talk about six months from now is how the Chiefs come into the season as champions, because with the Royals, we knew 
Yeah, it was you all know, going. It, it was all falling. Apart. It was a one-time thing. It wasn't going to happen. You know, maybe you thought maybe they could run it back in 2016, but that was for sure going to be really the absolute end of the road. And with the Chiefs, it's just getting started. You yep. know, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a wild ride. It is, and it's it's crazy that the the sentiment to be a Chiefs fan during now compared to the sentiment of being a Royals fan, like it just <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's entirely different. The whole world is open to the Chiefs right now. Yep. It's wild. And that that overhaul, the the defensive overhaul, and and we always talk about the offense and how crazy Pat is and how great Tyreek and Kelsey are and everything. But when you think about losing Barry, Ford, Houston, Steven Nelson, who I guess isn't that big of a loss, Alan Bailey, Ron Parker, Orlando Skandrick, Frank Zombo. I mean, we lost. (laughs) Basically, the entire defense was let go other than three or four guys. and to bring in these guys that just all hit all of them. I mean, it, from Bashad Breland to Okafor and Agba before they got hurt, Clark and Matthew, it, it's just, Thornhill, Benton, Ward. Ward, Mike Pennell. I mean, I mean last th- year, but Terrell Suggs. We didn't make yeah. a bad move. Brett Veach is probably the MVP of this team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is extraordinary to think about And even, you know, going back to the Royals parallel, you know, like the Royals won the World Series that year, but like Johnny Cueto was their big acquisition and he kind of sucked. Like he had some good games and and some really good games in the playoffs. But like, you know, I think his ERA was close to five. Oh, his regular season, Johnny Cueto wasn't very good at all. And Ben Zobris was amazing. He was. Shout out to that guy. Did you hear that he is probably retiring? Oh, I did not. Yeah, he's he's home. He's not picked out a new team, and he probably won't. So happy happy retirement. Happy trails to you, Ben Zobrist. He was great. Forever Royal. Yeah, Forever Royal. And, you know, Royals and Cubs back-to-back, he had a nice little run there. He sure did. Um, But to your point, I mean, it's amazing how – how many of those moves hit and how many of those moves were pretty controversial at the time – that they were carried out. I mean, there were people ready to, and we'll get into this when we get into this, the season recap and go in kind of game by game. But man, I'd tell you four or five weeks into the season. Hey, <laughs> Oh man, it didn't look pretty at all. It did not. It really didn't. You had a sick Frank Clark running around, not doing anything. I mean, he was, he was public enemy number one for a while. Right? He was, we couldn't stop the run at all. And our big, big, the cost on Frank Clark is enormous it was and and for that to be what looked like a complete swing and a miss I mean but then obviously between his sickness and figuring out the Spags defense and uh him ending all three playoff games with a sack worked out pretty pretty well Frank the Shark Clark man Frank the Shark Shark Clark sharking around blood in the water or as he said during the broadcast Frank the Clark Shark (laughs) oh Mitch love Mitch he's amazing so do you want to do a mailbag, Taylor? You let's, let's do a mailbag. Some... So I've got um, a pretty complicated system here. So the tweets go into three sections according to how important I think the thing looks, okay? Now, the least important stuff, I'm going to delete that. If it's important, they're going to send it in again, right? The middle important stuff, I quote tweet that back to Twitter at myself, so I buy myself a couple of days. And the most important stuff, that gets answered. Although, you know, something else, and I actually delete most of that too. The mail doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. <laughs> so <Carol! we're> <laughs> that's the, possibly the greatest scene in t- television history. I, I agree. Charlie and, and Mac in the mailroom is 
top notch. You're going to see, I wish we could do, I wish there was a way to just incorporate gifts into a podcast because no later when we get into the, uh, the roast, uh, it's going to be a uh, real Charlie throwing his hands up with the crazy wall. Yes. Uh, I'll just say I printed off and I, it's 2020. So this is, this was a big step. <laughs> I printed off some notes on paper and it is five pages long. And I think I need to kind of just like staple it up on my wall. Do you have any thumbtacks with some colored yarn? You can yes. attach some stuff to, I mean, some colored really, yarn. Yes. That would just be good. Get into yes. It. Yeah. Yes. That will be fine. So, so we've got our first question. Uh, these are submitted to us on Twitter. Austin had a, um, a post where he just asked people for some questions. So if you're listening to this and you'd like to ask us a question, basically, if you just tell us it's for the mailbag, we'll, we'll get to it, or at least we'll try to. Uh, Sorta Rican, who I really like that name, uh, Casey Sorta Rican asked us over under from Mahomes' entire career, touchdown, passing yards, interceptions, rushing yards, playoff wins, Super Bowls, MVPs, basically the whole gamut of a quarterback's resume. Um, you know, we are... I know everyone's the biggest Mahomes fan they've ever met, but like you and I are about as drinking the Kool-Aid on this kid as you possibly ever could. Sure. And, and I can't really come up with, I was trying to think to myself, okay, what's my realistic projections for what I think if he, if his career goes the way I think it does. Oh, same. And it's so hard because, because my heart and my brain are telling me that he's going to shatter every record. And you can't project injuries or anything like that. So if we just think that he's going to play forever, I mean, honestly, I couldn't even come up with where I thought he would end up on some of these. But well, no. let's let's yeah. start with touchdown passes sure. because that's the big one. And I I just pulled up the list here of the all-time touchdown leaders. Obviously, right. Drew Brees is it right now. He has Ian five hundred forty-seven. Yeah, Tom Brady at five hundred forty-one. Peyton Manning at five hundred thirty-nine. Brett Favre at 508, and then there's a big drop-off. Dan Marino is fifth with 420. And Dan Marino, by the way, when he retired, 420 was it. And it was it by, I think, number two was John Elway, who we'll talk about later. (laughs) Um, John Elway had 300 touchdown passes. So Dan Marino had 25% more touchdowns than the guy in second place. Dan Marino was amazing. He was amazing. Um, but, but those four guys on top, I mean, even throwing Brett Favre into that mix, Mm -hmm. those guys played in a different era. I mean, Mm -hmm. like they, they definitely benefited from the direction of the league moving towards a more pass heavy league, but they didn't benefit for it their entire careers and Mahomes will, and he's also really good, like extremely, I mean, the best quarterback ever, (laughs) And don't you get the feeling that the league, if it's going to change during Mahomes' tenure, is only going to get more pass-friendly? Yes. I, I mean, I just don't foresee yes. it becoming harder. So yes. that being said, you know, if the records are in the 550s right now, like, I literally feel like it could be a 1,000 for Pat. I just think that if he plays 15 to 20 healthy years, I, I, he's just going to start. I, I don't know. I, I feel that he is not close to his best right yeah yeah well a thousand he'd have to do 20, 20. seasons of 50 touchdowns right yeah i know that would be yeah yes yep yeah. well we good we're, we're doing math yeah you did it i nailed it hey how about it um that seems a little high it does but, until you think that he probably is going to have a season of 75 or 80 
don't you think? I mean, he definitely is going to have a season of 60. I really do believe that for sure. I mean, the record, the single season record is 55, right? Yeah. Manning in yeah. 2013. Yeah. So he for sure is going to break that um, and probably is going to break it like next year. I mean, this year, 2020. Right. He probably is going to do it soon. I mean, honestly, the guy's now won a Super Bowl. So, like, what else is there to do? Just go out other there than and win more Super Bowls. But right. obviously, on the way, um, I tweeted about this way, way back, and you and I talked about this. What's funny about Manning and Brady's 50 touchdown seasons is that they were both trying to set the touchdown record. Correct. Correct. Brady did it in 2007. It was right after Spygate. Bill Simmons, whom I hate, but yes. Bill Simmons kept talking about the FUTDs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we're up 30 in this game. We're still going to throw. We're going to go for it on fourth down. Mm-hmm. We're going to set the league on fire to pay them back for, for punishing us for cheating. You know, make it seem like it was everybody else's fault. 18-1, um, and one, shout out Eli Manning, my <laughs> yeah. boy. And then in Peyton's season, Peyton was 38. And Peyton, really up until probably Brady's second half, where he starts winning Super Bowl four, Super Bowl five, Super Bowl six, uh-huh. you could make him an argument that Manning still had the better career than Brady. Agreed. He had the ring and he had the regular season MVPs over and, Brady. And, and he was clearly also, I think, when you watched the two, there oh, was nothing about Peyton Manning that made you think that he was a worse quarterback than Tom Brady. So then once Brady, certainly after 2007, when Brady starts putting up elite passing numbers for the mm-hmm. first time in his Ever. career, we'll probably do a future segment where we talk about Tom Brady is a oh, got QB. tons of Brady stuff ready. Perfect. So, well, yeah. that's, that's terrific. We'll have to save that for another time, but Manning then, you know, Manning goes to Denver and he's not going to catch Tom Brady in rings. He's in his late thirties. Mm-hmm. So what can he do? Just kind of recapture a piece of the goat conversation, uh, set the single season touchdown record <laughs> and the passing or the yards record in the same and season. the yards record in the same season. And that's what he does. I mean, the Broncos were throwing so much in that yep. season. So then Pat Mahomes comes along <laughs> in his first season and just, just being Pat Mahomes throws 50 touchdowns, just kind of like 50. Casual, casual 50. You know, we were not, we were not trying to set the touchdown record. Mm-hmm. I think there will come a time, maybe sooner than we think, because he's already won a Super Bowl, where they're just going to let Pat have a season where he just shatters every record. And I, I kind of thought you were being a little bit ridiculous when you were talking about 75, 80 touchdowns. I honestly am not. I, I, am, <laughs> I am dead serious. I yeah. think that this kid is capable of scoring every drive. I, I mean, it's just – He's unstoppable. So if we set the number, Breeze is at 547. If yeah. we set the number at 700, you'd take the over. I would take the over on a, on a 700 career touchdown passes. For I think I, I would take the over as well. I, would. I think I would too. And you know, I think even that's if where you project you would... with Marino going 100 over Elway's record, you know, I mean, it's really not that preposterous to think it's that not. that's that much better than everyone who's come before him. And I just feel that there's no there's nothing in me that feels comfortable picking an under on Pat. Yeah, I, I, I completely can't. agree with that. Well, and if we're being realistic here, the way that Vegas, now Vegas doesn't have these over-unders. I wish sure. they did. Because I do in 20 years, we could make, <laughs> we could make a mint. We could make <laughs> yeah, a boatload. Right. We could. Uh, <laughs> um, but 
you know, realistically, if Vegas were were setting odds on something like this, they would set the over under at like I don't know five hundred. Yeah, they wouldn't even like have it breaking the record. Oh, we'd have something. We would be slamming it if yes. it existed. Yes, you're absolutely right. And the so, same goes for you know we're talking touchdowns here, but this is yeah. all this is yeah, passing, passing yards, yards. This yeah. is interceptions. This is even playoff wins and Super Bowls. Yeah. I, so I, I mean, that's that's the the only part of it that maybe is a separate conversation is the Super Bowls. Sure. And because more goes into it than just Pat. All the other stuff is just his. Six Super Bowls is a lot of Super Bowls. It is. Bill Belichick is amazing, and is. Tom Brady is fine, and Josh McDaniels is a bitch. Yes. But six all, Super all Bowls is a lot of Super Bowls to win. But if you look at what Brady had going for him, and and I hate – I don't want to go on a rant here, but I hate when people compare, say, you know, Pat to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay – he wasn't he first of all he didn't start until he was 26 okay? right pat started at 23 so that makes right. a huge difference huge. because those are your prime those are your peak physical years yep and when you're able to get to your mental peak or at least to a point where you're better than everybody else which is where pat is at such a young age it gives you an unbelievable edge i mean look at like what mike trout is doing in baseball mm-hmm. and when you start off early and you're elite at a young age you your your potential to rewrite the record books across the board not just passing numbers mm-hmm. playoff wins super bowl wins you have it all at your disposal he's now the second youngest quarterback to win a super bowl yep. he's the youngest quarterback to win a super bowl and a regular season mvp award he's the only person to do that so I mean, if you were to say, if you if you gave me four Super Bowls, I'm I would that over. I would take the over. Yeah. If you gave me six, um, mm. I mean, hard. It's it's hard. We're getting closer yeah. um, to to it being a difficult ask, right? And we do have to remember that you and I are also gigantic Chiefs fans. And well, of is, course. And it is hard for us to separate that, but I do think that we're intellectually capable of separating it and yeah and the the pure gap between pat and the next best that's what that's part of the reason that i see the dominance is because you know if you're considering the next best quarterback in the nfl russell wilson or um you know whoever the case may be i don't pick you know lamar or it's just deshaun no one is in his conversation right no one and and it's not even and, and now maybe here in the next couple seasons or whatever, maybe somebody comes along and they look just like Pat did and they start, they come out and they, they're throwing the crazy passes and they're, they got a rocket arm and all that stuff. And maybe we'll be forced to say, oh, he's not the only one that's going to be fighting for these Super Bowls here for the next decade. But until I see them, like it's Pat until it's not Pat. And right. I just don't, I can't, I can't, I'm going to say, I'm going to say seven Super Bowls. I'm going to say he gets one more than Brady. I, I like that. And it's going to be one more than Brady because Tom Brady's done winning Super Bowls, right? That's, that's, he's, he's toast. Oh, he's All right. That, that was a great question. Thank it you was. for that. Casey yes, Sorta Rican. Yes, you gave absolutely. us a lot of, a lot of material <laughs> to go with there. Uh, yeah. So this is from a man, Peter Yadrich at Peter Y golf. If you were a potato, how would you most prefer to be served? Please read the question carefully to make sure you're answering from the correct perspective. So 
you actually already answered this I on did. Twitter. So what was your answer? For I Mr. said Buck? that like any rich potato, I would prefer to be served by a butler or if all cases being equal, some sort of intellectually enhanced dog with a, you know, a talking dog with a bow tie, something, something crazy like that. That's how I would prefer to be served. Hmm. I, I read this more as a yes. style of potato. Yes, I, that's I appreciate how you. Yes. I appreciate you getting real weird with it. <laughs> right, exactly. I appreciate that. Yeah, block uh, the wind while I roast this bone. <laughs> I would probably. I, I'm just gonna say mashed. I, I'm boring. You know, um, turkey oh, stands Alex out. Smith, come turkey on. Turkey stands out, kid. obviously. You mashed. Know, tur- turkey stands out. It's a. It's a good yes. standout. Standout dish. Um, let's let's go to the next one. That was all a good right, question, right. though, Peter. I appreciate. All right. That. So Ian Freeman at the Philosophian asks. Yeah, the sure. philosophy and that's great. Yeah. I was a philosophy major in college, you, so you I, were. I appreciate that. Uh, minus Travis and Pat, what player would you want to drink with? When was the last time? Oh, and then yeah, also follow up question. When was the last time the Chiefs won their last game of the year? I'll yeah, hit that one two first weeks ago. because I answered that on. Uh, well, but the last time he meant before this time, but oh. it was 2014 when they went nine and seven, didn't make the playoffs and won their week 17 game. Was that against the Chargers? It was against the Chargers and it was started uh-huh. by Chase Daniel. Daniel. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, but minus Travis and Pat, who would you most want to drink with? There are so many great personalities on this team. There are. There um, are. My my first thought was Frank, because I think any night out with Frank Clark would be insane. Oh, would be would something be insane. that I could never, ever, ever forget. Um, he's probably my number one answer. I would say that's a good answer. Sure. I like that. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Badger. I think uh, Badger would be uh, – I, I Badger probably shouldn't be around alcohol. Yeah, I, feel like I was just going to say, you guys are getting into a fight if you go out drinking with Honey Badger. That's he's sure. He's got a lot. He's got an – well, so does Frank, though. So I mean, does they, Frank. We're getting they, into- yeah. They both have an edge already that I feel like would really get – that was what was so fun about the – the Pat uh, Super Bowl parade was that he was clearly wasted and it was, was hilarious yes. because it was so well, strange. Pat's so buttoned up. He is very buttoned up. He's very, he's very Andy Reid, you know. He basically yeah. is as good at answering questions as he is a playing quarterback. I know, which is impossible, but it is. he is. And to see him cut loose, it would, it was a sight to behold. I loved it. It sure was. Um, you know what? I'm going to amend my answer, though. I'm going to say Anthony Sherman. Yeah, I was locking it in. Yes. Locking it in. Yeah, I'm he's gonna awesome. Go with the sausage, uh, sausage for sure. Yeah. So uh, we got a question here from Vitamin J, longtime follower and friend of the podcast. <laughs> Why Patrick Mahomes is a better Pat? Excuse me, Patrick Levon Mahomes. Patrick Levon Mahomes is a better QB than John Elway and Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> Well, Vitamin J, stay tuned. We're going to talk about John Elway here in a little bit. Tom Brady, I feel like we kind of covered that already. Sure. Um, I, I plan on going into that in oh, another roast uh, yeah. later on. So well, perfect. We, we definitely have plenty of material, especially for those two quarterbacks. He's Patrick Mahomes is the best there is. End of story. End of story. Gary Pergande at Gondfather. I like that. Yes, I do too. 
we got some good uh, handles on the old Twitter. Oh, we sure do. We sure do. <laughs> I would love some super boring top talk on how the cap actually works year to year. Some of the things that teams do with contracts to give themselves wiggle room. I definitely understand where he's coming from. And I think that of all the football concepts that are difficult, which there are tons of them. Oh, the tons. Salary cap is certainly one that is probably more nebulous than it needs to be. There's probably a lot of, um, unexplained and and quirky things about it that if they you know if it was if it was me running the sports league I probably would make it a little bit more cut and dry um I don't really know if we've got a lot of uh prepared remarks on the salary cap I know yeah what I'll say about the salary cap is it's going to be uh number one Brett Veach has repeatedly referenced his cap team. Yes. Like I think he has more than one guy whose sole job it is to navigate the cap, which gives you an idea of how nebulous it is and how important it is to have people who aren't hosting a podcast uh, (laughs) figure out your cap situation for you. Um, The other thing, just to respond to this, um, he said super boring talk. I actually think the cap is super interesting. I do too. Um, But this new CBA is obviously going to have a huge impact on uh, the cap going forward. And it probably is going to be something we talk about quite a bit when we're getting closer to the draft, when we get into the new league year, when Patrick Mahomes is eligible for an extension. So that might be something that we revisit. We certainly have uh, some discussion about the possible quarterback only cap that they have discussed, which it, it seems like the perfect timing if you're a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I mean, that would be completely unfair. So I really hope they bump <laughs> that through and then we can up that over under for Super Bowl wins to like so a million, however many 15, years you want. Yeah, to right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, Harry Lee at Johnny Joe 1083. <laughs> he just writes, um, <laughs> Chiefs, Mahomes, Philip Rivers is a backup. I appreciate that tweet. <laughs> Not really a question there, but it's a good, it's a good solid one. I'll, I'll roll into this next one here. Platinum Sombrero. Uh, what beer would you be chugging on top of a parade bus? Also top three KC athletes to survive on a desert island with. So knock that beer question out for our listeners who are not yeah. familiar with beer. So for those that don't know me, IRL, um, I've got this strange, um, I, I call it an allergy to beer. I'm not quite sure what the deal is, but uh, I have tried many times and beer just does not sit down with me. It, I throw it up. So I have gone my adult, my entire adult life uh, as a hard alcohol drinker and no regrets there, but um, I've certainly been offered my fair share of free beers that I've had to deny and tell that exact story. More for me. Um, I would be drinking, this is such a basic bitch answer, <laughs> but I would say Boulevard Wheat. And I live in Colorado now, so... When I go out and I find Boulevard Wheat in the wild here in enemy territory, it really is a nice feeling. I watched the AFC Championship game this year in Crested Butte, Colorado, which is a mountain town about four hours west of Denver and southwest of Denver. It's it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, but there's a Chiefs bar there called The Last Steep, and Shout they out. had... They had Boulevard Weed on tap. It was amazing. It was such a great experience just to be able to, and of course, you know, watch the Chiefs now win as the a AFC non- Championship game. Yes. As a non-experienced drinker, is Bully Wheat chuggable? 
<laughs> it is definitely well. Any beer is chuggable sure. if you if you have the right you mindset. Chug it. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. And that we a got a lot stuff. of. I am not personally a beer chugger, but I gotta say we got a lot of champion beer chuggers on the team. So, second part of this question: top three KC athletes to survive on a desert island with. Mm. Um, I thought about this quite a bit, and. Same. Um, my number one draft choice. Maybe we should draft. Yeah, should draft Ooh, I like that. You're gonna you're gonna take my guy, but you you go first. Well, well, I'm gonna take Pat off okay. the board first because okay. he's a perfect yeah. human, he and is. you know and, he would come up with some crazy thing to help you survive that no one else well, would have ever thought of. And if I die, what a way to go! <laughs> right? Yeah, you would you would actually wish to be stranded on a desert island with Pat yeah. anyway. So that's right. that's good. Exactly. Uh, all right, you're on. You're on the. You're on. All the right, are we are we snaking? Yeah, we'll snake. All so right, you get so, two, and then I get one. And so my number one draft choice would be Bo Jackson. Ooh, that's a good uh, one. I think that Bo would be able to survive any sort of physical. Now, obviously, we're taking peak peak physical Bo Jackson. Yeah, and, uh, not not, you not know, 2020 Bo Jackson. No, no. Although, shout out to Bo. But uh, yeah, you know, I think I think Bo would be up for just about anything that was thrown his way and built like a tree trunk and was fast and i mean obviously he he is one of the all-time greatest athletes and uh he was my easy number one so it's up you you're up again that's a good choice i like that thanks yep um i i thought long and hard about this uh case three kc athletes so then i was going you know do i go basically royals and chiefs are the only kc athletes that i really have a pool to draw from <laughs> right sure. i don't i don't know if there's anyone on sporting that would be worth this or if uh you know what other teams we had but i was thinking uh along the same bow lines and i really really thought salvi would be a awesome guy to have on a desert island with now sure. he might not necessarily be survival picking him for survival but for sure picking him for a good time yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, yeah. you know, he did survive on an island, not a deserted island, <laughs> but I mean, you know, all yeah, those Latin American guys. He's more used to it than I would be, that's for sure. Sure, the tropical climate. So I'm going to – it's back to me, right? It is, for two. Then do I do I get two? Your okay, two. So, yeah. so I'm going to go a little bit unconventional here. Uh, I'm going to count him as a KC athlete because he did wear a uniform for the Kansas Mediost. City Royals. Ha! You're exactly right. I mean, that was that was brilliant. I would have well, definitely I mean, gone with Ned. He's amazing. Yes, Ned. Aside from the time that he fell out of the tree and <laughs> I, almost I killed added himself, that to his positives. <laughs> yeah, well, sure, he survived. Yeah, right, <laughs> so right. He he's a survivor. Uh, yes. You know, he brought us a championship. Um, not the sharpest tool in the shed necessarily, but not as dumb as people give him credit for either. I mean, nope. you know, and uh, definitely a survivor. So. I would definitely, I would take Ned. And then I think for my last pick, I'd have to go with, I'd have to go with another chief. And I think I'd have to go with Tyreek Hill. God, that was my pick. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was my pick for sure. You kidding so, me? Racing Bo and Tyreek Hill every day? <laughs> oh, it'd be amazing. Well, you would definitely get in super good shape. Um, Tyreek's got a lot of uh, good, you know, um, workouts that you could you know use to kind of stay mm -hmm. fit plus i feel like you know he's so fast you know if there was any kind of danger on this island you know whether it be a smoke monster a la right. lost or yeah. whatever it would be i mean i just feel like his speed as on the football field could get you out of a lot of sticky situations he would be ready for it man that's for sure that was a great pick and uh although my three were 
Oladipo, Salvi, and Reek. I'm going to then call an audible and pick Travis Kelsey. Nice. I think that I'm going with the party team. Sure. Um, and with between Salvi and Trav, it's going to be a good time every time until we all die. So uh, that seems like a pretty decent triple for me to uh, survive on an island with. Sure. So your three are Pat, Ned. Ned. <laughs> Ned. Pat and Ned together would kill me. Pat, Ned, and Tyreek. Yep. Tyreek, that's great. Yeah, Pat and, and Ty are just going to be running go routes all the time, and Ned's just going to be talking about their domes, and you're just going to – Yeah, gonna he's going to be up in a tree somewhere hunting, and, yeah. you know, it'll be it'll be great. Yeah, shout out to Platinum Brero with uh, that amazing question. Yes. Yeah, we also had Douglas Dowell at Douglas Dowell JD ask us, Chris Jones and Pat, and assuming no new CBA, pipe dream, or just got to do it anyway? I mean, million dollar question right now. I think that um, my gut tells me that I don't know how they can let Chris Jones go. Yeah. I, I, but I mean, they kind of have to. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a perfect question. It's one that I've gone back and forth with a lot on, and I do think it's possible. But I also think it's pretty unlikely. So there's definitely going to be a new CBA. Yes. The question is just when it's going to happen, and the question is how much it's going to shake things up. And I think it's really interesting for the Chiefs because you look at some of the teams around the league, specifically the Dallas Cowboys Yes, are the team that I'm thinking of. There are a lot of teams that, and, and if look at the Los Angeles Rams too. There are some teams out here that might just be bad and not know what they're doing, or it could be that they have a pretty good idea of what the new CBA is going to look like. I think the, the, you know, Jerry Jones and um, certainly Stan Kroenke and um, Les Snead, the general manager of the Rams, you know, I mean, I feel like they're, those are two organizations that are pretty plugged into the happenings of the league as a whole, mm-hmm. kind of power brokers. Certainly mm-hmm. you would expect um, at least the owners of those two organizations to have quite a bit of influence over the CBA talks. I kind of think that the new CBA might go way, way up, in which case bring the whole crew back. We'll run it back. We'll win a right. bunch of Super Bowls. Yeah, give that... Sammy 30 million a year. Who cares? Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll we'll do it. Um that was a great question. So, uh at Steiner Herford, Steven Steiner, why don't the 49ers get the same heat as the Bears for passing over Mahomes? Reminder they took Solomon Thomas over Patrick Ooh. Mahomes. Who? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Just say waitress. Just say waitress. I know they were in the Super Bowl, but they got beat by the man they missed on. I think you know, I mean, obviously the part of the reason is because they didn't take a different quarterback. So the Bears are always going to get roasted because they took a quarterback and it was Mitch Trubisky. And there are a lot of bad picks before Pat. I could pull the draft up. I got just, it. Yeah, just off the top of my head, um, John Ross yes. for the Bengals. Nice. He's on my dynasty team in our dynasty league. So I am hoping he maybe pans out. Um but uh, John Ross, you had um, Corey, Corey Davis. Corey Davis was fifth to the Titans. Ugh, ugh. Yes. Why didn't the Titans take Pat Mahomes? Yes. You know, I mean, right. you could ask this question about any team that picked before us that didn't take Patrick Mahomes. The Browns, uh, did the Browns take Garrett? Miles Garrett, yep, yep, number one overall. Yep. Sure. Which, I mean, fine pick, but he's not Pat. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a great player, but, and frankly, compared to Corey Davis. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of the better picks for sure. Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's hard because, like you said, the only team above us that picked a quarterback is the one that gets roasted. But 
the question is totally valid. You know, you, it pick, is a, you valid. pick a defensive end third overall with Pat on the board and, you know, you've got all these guys, even hell, even the Panthers that picked CMC, one of the greatest running backs that we've seen are probably sitting there going, man, I, want, I bet we'd be in better shape if we had picked up Pat. And even though oh, they had sure Cam, you know, it's just a very, the Chargers with Mike Williams, uh, the Jags with Leonard Fournette, who's good. Um, it's just, it's valid that they all should take criticism for it, but the easy target is the team that picked the quarterback and also picked the bad quarterback. They didn't yeah. pick Deshaun up there at two. If no. they had picked Deshaun and we had gone with Pat eight picks later, everyone would have been like, man, too bad they picked the wrong guy there. But like, man, they picked Mitch. Yeah. That, that's been that's been as bad as as you can get. And honestly, if they had picked Deshaun, we might have been playing them in the Super Bowl this year. Certainly. Yes. Like I think Matt yes. Nagy with uh, Deshaun Watson, like Deshaun Matt Watson defense. with a real coach and a real defense. Yeah, man, for sure. I, I mean, they would be a very scary team. You would make Taylor Gabriel look like Will Fuller. Sure. Yeah. 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 Legit. That's a uh, great question. And I do think that all of those teams share some heat, but um, clearly the Bears are jumping in front of that bullet uh which play will be more this is from andrew whiteside uh, at ou under sass which play will be more iconic rose bowl shift right or wasp and i think that in general the one that we've clearly seen now a good 10 days after um the super bowl has been wasp that's the one that that everyone's going to point back that's the one people are getting tattoos of that's the one that went into madden wasp is the more iconic play, but boy, it's going to be tough for me to shake remembering Rose Bowl shift, right? That was, that was a fancy, fancy play on fourth down near the goal line. It was ballsy play. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely wasp here as we sit 10 days after the Super Bowl, both because it was later in the game, which obviously adds to the, the level of urgency and makes it more iconic. And then of course, because NFL films did a 10 minute video about it, which everyone in Kansas city has watched like a million times. I honestly, every day I have been waiting for them to do one on Rose bowl because mm -hmm. it seems per it's, it's literally the perfect material for an NFL films segment you've got a you've got you can you can go back into the history of football which is something that NFL films always does an amazing job of yeah the best. you know you've got a uh, really ripe material interview wise i'm sure you saw um i think it was kelsey said that they almost didn't run it because sammy watkins couldn't spin <laughs> couldn't spin which is which is ridiculous uh, he's is an ridiculous. nfl wide receiver and he can't spin around he's a you know, world class athlete yeah. running into the running back when they would spin hilarious um yeah, i've been dance. waiting for them to do that and i'm a little bit disappointed that they haven't done it yet uh i think that definitely could help close the gap a little bit what's uh what's so funny to me is you know when Damien scored the go-ahead touchdown, um, I, I can't remember who said this, but the Chiefs were going to go for it if that was short. Like, it, it, they were going to go for it. They could have kicked a field goal to tie it 20-20. Yeah. They were going to go for the touchdown on fourth and an inch from the goal line. And whatever play they were going to run there <laughs> was going to become the most iconic play yeah. in Chiefs history. In NFL history. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. As, as it stands, we'll just have to go with Wasp. Yep.
Yep, that is a great question. Yep. Um, that King Cole, that King Cole, that underscore King Cole. I know a lot of people either don't want to talk about it as a possibility, but do you think bringing Barry back as an addition to our secondary would be beneficial as long as he's not asking for too much, obviously? I think football-wise football wise and non-football-wise, I mean, Eric Barry was a big part of the Chiefs for a long time. We have a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings still for Eric Barry. And frankly, the the Bob Sutton nightmare is over. I'd be really interested to know, like, I wish we had Steve Spagnuolo three or four years ago and he'd be using, you know, prime Eric Berry in the way that Mm. he was using Honey Badger this Mm. year. I mean, mean, if we had him, even if we had Spags in 2018, I mean, I think, I think we probably win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Um, I I have a hard time believing, I'm not going to tell you I have any personal knowledge of the situation because I'm just a dude, you know, I like to drink beer, love my family. <laughs> Rock, flag, and eagle, right, Austin? <laughs> right, Taylor. But uh, I would have a hard time believing that Eric Berry would want to come back after the way things ended. But I'd be all for it. I mean, like, if he wanted to come back and, and but, but know, was it a sour ending? I don't know. I think it was. I, I, I don't think it was. I, I've got – so the Chiefs had his back over and over and over and over and over again when they could have, and some teams probably would have cut bait with him sooner than they did. And they always treated him with respect as far as the, like the media department and with all the, the reverie that was Eric Berry. It was very, very obvious that the chiefs valued Eric Berry. It just became untenable. It just became the point where he wasn't playing and he was being paid a lot. And anytime a player is not healthy and being paid a lot, He's going to be a casualty. And yes. And I think that if I understand the Chiefs front office the way that we do, I can't imagine that they treated him with anything less than exactly the class that he deserved. And I just feel that if he wants to come back now, there was the stuff that came out this offseason that where he said he intentionally took a year off this year. Right. Sure. You no. Know, yeah. Yeah. Hard to say, but I don't really see Eric Berry being super, um, you know, I, I just don't see that being a lie, but maybe yeah. it is. And I do think that if we're looking for secondary help and we are looking for a player of his mold, a veteran player, um, someone that, you know, would mesh well with the locker room and stuff like that, he checks a ton of boxes. He does. The the questions, the big questions would be health and money. The same question that was the reason that he that we got rid of him in the first place. Sure. And if the health checks out and if the money's not bad at all, I mean, there's no reason that they wouldn't want to take a look at him, want to kick the tires on him. Uh, You know, then you would look at, is another team going to outbid the Chiefs for him or any of that type of stuff. But I just think as a principle, if we're talking about bringing Eric Berry back and he does already check the health box and the money box, I I can't imagine anyone being against that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, um, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see where he ends up. Regardless, I mean, I, I don't expect it to be Kansas City, but it'll be interesting to see what his market is like. Um, we'll see in a couple of weeks. I mean, free agency is a mere six weeks away, I believe. Maybe oh, not even that long. I think it, it might be five weeks away now. So fun coming it's up. So much more fun when you have the two weeks that, yeah, you know, that we weren't having to sit there waiting and watching all these other teams play. And it's just the perspective shift on winning the Super Bowl has changed me forever. It's forever. Amazing. And get used to it. Well, so we've got 
I, one other thing I wanted to talk about about last season that I was thinking about in training camp, I did quickly want to, there's been something about Andy Reid that's bothered me about his criticism more than the other criticism that I think has been more valid. And What's I, that? The criticism that bothers me these days is his time management criticism. Yeah, it's, what is it's that? this old meme. That's basically what it is. It's a remnant of his past self that hasn't been relevant in basically his entire Chiefs tenure, as far as I can tell. And people still talk, make jokes about, oh, if you're going to screw the clock up, get Andy Reid in there. And, oh, it, well, it's Andy Reid, so he's yeah. definitely going to call the timeouts to the wrong spot. I never once, and I've paid as close of attention as I po- think anyone possibly can. And I don't ever remember being like, God, Andy, I, why can't you be better at clock management? He just, uh, timeout-wise. Like, I just think that's been a yeah. label that needs to pass on to Kyle Shanahan until further notice. <laughs> it does. There's a lot of things that need to be passed on to Kyle Shanahan. He, <laughs> he gets to inherit the, uh, you know, the, um, the call, the big lead. Yeah. Right. The, the blowing the big league crown for sure. The can't win the big one crown. All of those are going to be passed on to Kyle. Um, I agree. I think the, the one that stands out in my mind just off the top of my head uh, was the game at new England, the playoff game at new England, where we were down and without we, needed, we needed two scores, but, but exactly with Alex Smith. Yeah. Like I think it was an Alex Smith problem. Yeah. And I love Alex Smith as a person, Yes, but we were all tired of him. Well, I don't want to speak for everybody, but no. you and I certainly were done with him as the quarterback of the Kansas city chiefs. And, you know, I think, um, I think Pat and Andy really do, you know, it, one of the things that really, it, it hasn't been talked about as much, but on that mic'd up segment from the Super Bowl, which again, if you haven't watched that, mm. different from Wasp, amazing, mm-hmm. really good. Um, when they get down inside the red zone the first time and they're on fourth and one and Andy wanted to kick it, mm-hmm. there's that great segment in the mic'd up where Pat's like, Let's go for it. Give me my helmet. Just give me my helmet. Give I'm going to go helmet. back on the field. Give me my helmet. I'm going to go back on the field. We're going to go for it. Let's go for it. And he just has the, I mean, he's the MVP and he's the best quarterback in the world. So when he just says, we're going for it and he puts his helmet on and he gets back on the field and Andy's like, well, shoot, I guess we're going Andy for it. Andy trusts him. Yeah. And that's an amazing thing. I mean, I really think like that as much as anything really is what got us to where we are, which is Andy Reid. Super Bowl winning head coach, right? Well, and I think I heard you start to say that they cover up each other's weaknesses. Yes. That they are they're such a good fit, not only because they're both good at the same things, yes. but that Pat pushes Andy when he might have otherwise pumped the brakes, yep. and Andy calms Pat down when he might have otherwise gotten a little too excited, and, and it's just a very simpatico relationship. They just have – they're, they're, they're a football match made in heaven. And that heaven has blessed us with the first of hopefully many, many Super Bowls. It certainly has. Taylor. Yes. Can we talk about John Elway? Oh. I've been dying to talk about John Elway this whole podcast. Can we please talk about John Elway? <laughs> yeah, tell me about John Elway. Taylor, John Elway sucks. Why does John Elway suck? John Elway was never actually that good. I, I want to start with – I want to start with – just who John Elway is perceived as being, you know, NFL did their 100 greatest players. Mm -hmm. They did this weird thing where they like kind of did like 10 players from each group and they did like 10 different kinds of groups. Right. So they just picked 10 
10 quarterbacks. John Elway was one of the 10 best quarterbacks of all time in this ridiculous exercise. And that gels with a lot of people's perceptions of John Elway, right? They think sure. that John Elway is being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So let's take a trip back just to set the stage here. Uh, John Elway, first overall pick in 1983, famously great quarterback class. John Elway, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, all Hall of Famers. Todd Blackledge. Todd Blackledge, infamous in Chiefs lore. But John Elway, as you probably know, uh, his last game in college was against Cal. He lost on the play uh, where the band came on the field. Cal won on this five lateral kickoff return. Um, John Elway, in sort of a, a portent of things to come, sort of previewing his antics at Arrowhead when he asked the refs to calm the crowd down, he was quoted as saying the refs ruined his last game in college. That is a direct quote. So in that Shout game, John Elway, refs. yeah, exactly. Uh, John Elway had fourth and 17 on his own 13 yard line in that game with two minutes to go. He did end up going down, getting the go ahead score, right? So he put his team in position to win the game. This is kind of where the whole John Elway thing, it's all just a product of myth-making, right? It's all about narratives. And even though that narrative didn't work out for him, that's kind of where it all starts. So here's the thing about narratives. They're bullshit. Total. 100%. Let's talk about John Elway in comparison to his peers. Because the thing that you always hear, which is true, is that you can't compare quarterbacks across eras. The sure. NFL is constantly evolving. I want to compare John Elway to the people that played at the same time as John Elway, because I can tell you compared to those quarterbacks, he still wasn't very good. So let's start with the, uh, the numbers. John Elway played from 1983 to 1998. That was his career. He played for 16 years. In that time span, there were 19 different quarterbacks that started 100 or more games, including John Elway. Okay. So we're going to look at some numbers here, starting with completion percentage. And I would just want to read off his ranks to you. Okay. 19 quarterbacks. Those quarterbacks included uh, Dan Marino, Steve Young, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, Jim Kelly, Warren Moon, Troy Aikman, some really good players. Boomer Esiason, he had his moments. You got Ken O'Brien. You got Jeff George. Now we're kind of getting down to the bottom of the barrel. Jim Harbaugh, Bernie Kosar, Bobby Herbert. John Elway in completion percentage ranks 16th out Whoa. of those 19 quarterbacks. 16. 16 from the bottom or from the top? Yeah, 16 <laughs> from the top. Three from the bottom. So Ooh. closer to the bottom end. Touchdown percentage, 13th out of 19. Woof. Not very good. Still in the bottom half. You know, you're talking about 19 quarterbacks. So the median 50th percentile would be 10th out of 19, right? Nine and a half out of 13. Yeah, yeah. Quarterback rating, 14th out of 19. 14th. Yeah, 14th. You're so joking. there weren't there weren't 14 quarterbacks that were top 10 quarterbacks of all time playing at the same time as John Elway. That, that would, is impossible. That would, be, that would be impossible. That's right. And it is impossible. Yards per attempt, 10th out of 19. So, you know, he's got yeah. a middle of the pack there. Sure. Adjusted net yards per attempt, which is taking sacks out of the equation, mm -hmm. 11th out of 19. Geez, now isn't he supposed to have this rocket arm that he should always be throwing bombs down the field? Shouldn't his yards per attempt be the one thing that he has over everyone else? Yes, and 
he's he's playing in a an era of bad passing that's what everybody says is oh you can't compare him we're comparing him to the people that he played with at yeah. the same time as him yeah. okay and he wasn't he wasn't comparable we're going to talk about why i think that is in a little bit but uh i want to just throw some more numbers at you here real quick so john elway has 10 more career touchdowns than warren moon we talked about always at 300 Marino at 420, Warren Moon at 290. Mm-hmm. John Elway had 29 more starts than Warren Moon. Mm-hmm. So he had 10 more touchdowns. So he finished, you two know, two more he re- years. He retired at, uh, you know, when he retired, he had the second most touchdown passes of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Warren Moon had 10 fewer touchdown passes, but he played two years less. John Elway actually started two fewer games than Dan Marino, who threw. More touchdowns. 120 more touchdown passes, <laughs> right? Uh, just an outrageous number of touchdown passes. I want to get into. I did a fun little exercise. You'll, I'll, I'll, I'll let you play a little guessing game here. So, I did a little exercise where I took John Elway's career highs. So, 16-year NFL career. I pulled out his career high in several different categories. Okay. And I want you to tell me where you think that ranks in terms of all the seasons in John Elway's career. So we've got a sample size of 1983 to 1998. Okay. We're going to start with touchdown passes. So John Elway's career high in touchdown passes was 27. Doesn't seem very high. 27. Yeah. So there were, I, I want you to guess how many seasons of 28 or more touchdown passes there were in the 16 years that John Elway was playing. So everybody who had <laughs> at least one <laughs> season better than John Elway's best season throwing touchdowns during well, his career. I've got to figure that, I mean, and it was, it was the age before, you know, everyone was throwing 30 every year and stuff like that. But I would think, and how many seasons is this that you said? Uh, we're talking about a 16 years. 16. I, I I didn't write down the total number of, of quarterback seasons. I should have done. Well, that that's all right. I would I would guess in 16 years, people going over 28 probably happened an average of two to three times a year. So that's I would think guess. I would think that he's between 32 and 48. That's a big gap, but that's kind of my that's where I'm thinking. That is an amazing guess, and I love that you showed your work as you were doing that because <laughs> yeah. it is 37 is the Yes, answer. love it. There were 37 seasons of 28 or more touchdown passes by 21 different quarterbacks during John Elway's career. That's trash. It is trash. I mean, and let me, let me just read some names off to you, Taylor. Yeah, tell me who did it. Here are the quarterbacks that had a better – season with more passing touchdowns than John Elway during John Elway's career. Jeff George did it. Neil Lomax did it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. All Neil. (laughs) Eric Kramer did it. (laughs) Scott Mitchell. Vinny, Vinny Testaverde did it. Danny, Danny White did it. Danny White. Nice. There's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Jeff Blake. Lynn Dickey. Woo. Jim Everett. Oh, no. And then actual good quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, right, Dan, right. Dan Marino did it a bunch of times. Right. Joe Montana did it several times. But but those aren't those aren't Hall of Fame quarterbacks, too. No, and they played at the same time he did. And they played at the same time he did. So, so why could they do it and he couldn't do it? 
Well, because he wasn't that good. Mm. So let's talk about passing yards. This is a fun one. John Elway's career high is 4,030 passing yards. Okay. So uh, you want to guess, again, how many seasons you think there were of uh, more than 4,030 passing yards? Seasons. So I'm going to guess fewer than 30 or than 28 touchdowns by about five. So I'm going to go with like 32. Pretty good. Pretty good. 26 ah, is the answer. More, more so, fewer. Uh, <laughs> Again, this is taking John Elway's best season ever, most passing yards in his career, 4,030, 26 times in his career. Another, another quarterback that wasn't John Elway threw for more, more yards than that. Than he ever did in his whole 16-year career. In his whole career. Those include the aforementioned Lynn Dickey, uh, Scott Mitchell, Neil Lomax, Don Majowski, Majkowski, Don Majkowski. Have you ever heard of that guy? No, and you and I have heard of tons <laughs> A of lot. Guys. We have Bill Kinney. Shout out to Bill Kinney, yeah, former chief. That's right. Bill Kinney did it with the Chiefs. Jay Schroeder. Woo! I'm uh, pretty Jackson sure he's an actor. He he is an actor. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll get into a really good one here in a minute. Okay. Jacksonville Jaguar. Mark Brunel did it. Yeah. Of course. Um, completion percentage. I uh, you don't have to guess on this one. John Elway's career best completion percentage sixty three point two. Twenty nine seasons better than that. No. In his career, yards per attempt. 7.9 yards per attempt. Is 7.9? Yeah, never broke eight. 29 <laughs> seasons better than John Elway's career high, including, including, in addition to some of the, the goofballs that we were talking about earlier, uh, some dude named Wade Wilson. Oh, that's Daredevil. Yeah, it's Deadpool, bro. <laughs> Deadpool, Come on, Deadpool, dude. Deadpool. I, I, I always confuse Deadpool and Daredevil's <laughs> names. I know no, them character-wise, but I always say Wade Wilson is Daredevil, in them, and I mean what is Daredevil? Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, Wade I, Wilson, Matt Murdock, yeah, yeah. It's, for people that are going to shred Taylor on Twitter, he knows a lot I, about superheroes. I do. That is a, it is a slip of the tongue that happens almost every time I refer to either Deadpool or Daredevil. I always say the other one. Don't so, know so Deadpool threw for a higher <laughs> yard yards per attempt in a season than John Elway did. Okay? Wow. So finally, we're going to do passer rating. Passer rating isn't a good stat, but like it's not it's not a terrible stat, right? Like the the problem with passer rating is you can't take a passer rating from 2020 and compare it to a passer rating from 1985. You mm-hmm. can't do that. Mm-hmm. But what you can do mm-hmm. that is instructive is take all the passer ratings from 1985. Compare them to each other. And compare them to each other. Yes. And even though it's not a perfect statistic, uh, John Elway, he never had a good passer rating. So in his career, there are 34 seasons better than 93.0 passer rating. He got the usual suspects that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Add in Chris Chandler. Mm -hmm. Add in Steve Bartowski. Yeah, I love Steve Bartowski. Add in Tony Eason. Ugh. 34 different seasons during John Elway's 16-year career where they had a better passer rating than his best passer rating ever. Man. So John Elway, I mean, his career best seasons aren't even very good compared to the other quarterbacks he's playing with. And not just the great quarterbacks like Montana and Marino, but the, the bad ones even would manage a season better than John Elway's career best season. Yep. I want to talk about Dan Reeves. I don't know oh. how much you know about Dan Reeves. How sure. much do you, what do you know about Dan Reeves? I know that he was the coach that Broncos fans always blame for John Elway's failures. That is correct. He is the coach that coached John Elway to three Super Bowl losses. Right. 
he started as an offensive coordinator with the Cowboys in the late seventies, Roger Staubach, uh, Tom Landry mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys. And mm-hmm. while he was with the Cowboys, his uh, four years with the Cowboys, his Cowboys teams ranked in the 91st percentile of scoring offense in the NFL. So yeah, they were better at scoring the football than 91% of NFL teams over those four years. Then Dan Reeves gets hired as the head coach of the Broncos and he takes over John Elway's young career. And I've had a lot of Broncos fans tell me that Dan Reeves is the reason that John Elway was producing these very pedestrian numbers. I've certainly heard that. Well, John Elway supposedly is a Hall of Fame GOAT quarterback. So, you know, he came from one Hall of Fame GOAT quarterback in Roger Staubach, who was scoring at a very high rate. And then he takes over John Elway, and they were ranked 54th percentile in offensive points per game, hmm. despite having despite having Taylor, supposedly one of the 10 best quarterbacks of all time. So what's the difference between Roger Staubach and John Elway? I guess that Roger Staubach is a good quarterback. Ah, John that, Elway that's what I was not. wondering. Okay, that makes sense. Let's talk about Dan Reeves post- Broncos career. Ah, the old uh, Falcons run. Yes, the Atlanta Falcons. In 1998, go back, travel back in time with me. Dan Reeves was coaching the Atlanta Falcons, and his quarterback that year was a dude named Chris Chandler. Mm. Are you familiar with Chris I'm Chandler? I'm slightly familiar with Chris Chandler, okay. but please enlighten me. So Chris Chandler was 33 years old that year. He started 152 games in his NFL career, and his career record was 67 and 85. Woof. Woof indeed. In 1998, he started 14 games. He goes 13 and one. Hmm. So if you take that year out, his career record was 54 and 83. Yes. So this is his second season with Dan Reeves, the guy who is responsible for John Elway being a turd for most of his Denver career. And here's what Chris Chandler in his second season with Dan Reeves, this is what he was able to do. His completion percentage that year was a 58.1%. If you were to push that over into John Elway world, Mm -hmm. that would be John Elway's seventh highest completion percentage of his career. Out of 16 years. Out of 16 Way to go, Chris Chandler. His yards per attempt was (laughs) 9.6. John Elway's career high, you may recall, was 7.9. Man. (laughs) So Chris Chandler blew him out of the water. He was dropping dimes. His touchdown percentage was 7.6. Elway's career high was 6.2. Woo! His touchdowns, he threw 25 touchdowns that year. And Elway's career high was 27. So, okay, good for you, John. Yeah. John also threw 26 touchdowns twice. Problem is, John Elway in those seasons had 502, 466, and 542 pass attempts, respectively. Chris Chandler in 1998 threw 25 touchdowns on 327 pass attempts. Wow. And by the way, all three of those seasons that John Elway threw 26, 26, and 27 touchdowns were under Mike Shanahan, who is the original system QB coach. Yeah. We just saw his son with the same system take Jimmy freaking Garoppolo <laughs> to the Super Bowl. All right. And make Jimmy Garoppolo look like a good quarterback. Those three years of John Elway's career, at the very tail end of his career, 
those were better than his performances under Dan Reeves, which obviously wasn't Dan Reeves' fault since he was able to take Chris Chandler to the Super Bowl in the NFC, mm-hmm. posting better numbers than John Elway ever did in the exact same system. Wow. But Mike Shanahan gets a hold of Elway at the end of his career, gives him those three career bests and touchdowns with Dan Reeves. Elway's career high in touchdown passes was 22. Ugh. And Can you finally, imagine that being your quarterback? Not my no, quarterback. I can't. And in fact, 22, I mean, we had a pretty pathetic touchdown record, franchise touchdown record for a long time. Yeah, we did. But it was Len Dawson who set the record like, when was it? 1969, 1970. And that was the record until 2018, which is a little embarrassing. But old Lenny Dawson threw more touchdowns than John Elway did in any season of his career. And he was back in the old AFL. Yeah, he was. He, he was slinging it. Worse passing era than John Elway. And he was 10 times the quarterback John Elway was. He was 10 times the quarterback John Elway was. So why is it that John Elway why is he so highly regarded? You know, I have why? some theories about this, but I you tell too. me, you tell me. You go. I think it's all the freaking helicopter dive. Yes. I, I think yes. that when he dove in the Super Bowl, I think people thought, oh my God, that is what a all-time GOAT quarterback would have done. And they just blinded themselves to the 16 years of tape that he had put out. And they just said that he just wills his team to win. I think it was, I think if he never makes that run, he, his legacy is different. You're completely right. And I think that is at the crux of what John Elway's goatdom is all about. It's all about moments and it's mm-hmm. about narratives. Mm-hmm. And especially in the 80s and the 90s, back when things were real crude, <laughs> football was real crude. Those were what mattered. Those were the things that got played on the clip shows that you saw. I mean, there's probably one clip show, right? I mean, it was on ESPN. You know, you'd see the Super Bowl. You'd watch the Super Bowl on the networks. The big games, those were what you watched because you couldn't just stream everything for free. And those were the things that people wrote about in newspapers. Remember those? Yeah. John Elway. I heard about them. Yeah. John Elway – Aside from the the couple of Super Bowls he won in the last two years of his career with Mike Shanahan, he's famous for something called the drive, which was a game-winning 98-yard touchdown drive against the Cleveland Browns. Browns. Man. Imagine somebody – I mean, so Patrick Mahomes, just in this playoff run, Mm -hmm. had three double-digit comebacks. John Elway had two double-digit comebacks in the playoffs in his entire career. Jeez. And yet... He's the comeback guy. He's the comeback guy. He's got the drive. The drive. It's just manufactured hype. It's nonsense. You're cracking eggs of wisdom. So here's... I am cracking (laughs) eggs of wisdom. I'll tell you what. Here's, Here's what happened. I'm just going to close with this. This is this is how John Elway became John Elway. It's the moments, it's the narratives, and it's also the fact that John Elway played for 16 years. Okay? Yeah. John Elway came along in this magical point in football history where like people didn't play that long until John Elway and Marino came along. They they both played for a very long time. And now obviously we've gotten into Breeze and Brady and Rivers and everybody's playing into their 40s. Um right. but back then that was not the case. When 
when John Elway retired, he had the second most quarterback starts in NFL history. Uh, he had 231 starts. He's eight behind Fran Tarkenton, who, of course, old played Fran. in a completely different era. And so he, you know, Fran, old Fran didn't have the touchdown numbers. He didn't have the counting stats. Dan Marino was at 229 games. And then in fourth place in quarterback starts was Warren Moon, who had 202. Jeez. And no so one John else. John Elway was just ancient. He was. And he had, so no one else, fifth place, had 180 quarterback starts. So John Elway in second place had 50 more starts than the the quarterback with the fifth most starts of all time. That's a huge gap. So he played a lot. He played longer than almost anybody. And he just put up a lot of counting stats. So when John Elway retired, he had the second most touchdown passes. Now, mind you, he was like a hundred touchdown passes behind Dan Marino, sure. who played the exact same number of games at the mm. exact same period of time. Mm. They were drafted the exact same year. But people Strange. say, oh, John Elway, he, second most touchdown passes all time. He must have been a goat. And John Elway, unlike Dan Marino, did end up winning two Super Bowls. John Elway also finished with more wins than Dan Marino did. And that's the rub, QB And wins. that's the rub. It's ridiculous. That's that's how we ended up with John Elway, top 10 quarterback of all time, NFL 100, over, by the way, Drew Brees, which is just insane. Asinine. Insane, laughable, asinine, ridiculous. It's You know what it is? It's, it's preposterous. It's preposterous. <laughs> it is, dude. It is. It's preposterous. Uh, John Elway. Love to trash him. He sucked. The end. Love it. Well, Austin, we have uh, we have enlightened the people. We have. We've answered their questions. We have. We've, we've let them know why John Elway sucks. We brought him back in time to the uh, training camp and our, our mindset back before we knew what kind of run we were about to go on. I think it's a uh, good inaugural first episode of it's always sunny in chief's kingdom anything else you're uh, you got on your chest you got to let out i think we pretty much covered it i think we've uh, i think we've done a pretty good job you know a little uh yeah i think we we talked some football we football. gave people what, what they wanted run out and you hook know in. <laughs> run out and hook in we're doing this podcast for you because of your harassment <laughs> and your love for the kansas city chiefs <laughs> that's right Yep, and we don't have any Donovan McNabb impersonators, but we're trying to get one. Um, so you know, when that's we get the guy him. from the Cosby Show. <laughs> that's Tiger Woods. <laughs> well, folks, I'm Taylor. I'm Austin. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Mm-hmm.